0: all right good morning good morning River City good morning and welcome to church good morning I see so many pretty faces it's awesome to be in the house of the Lord with you for everyone who is tuning in or watching we are so glad that you are joining us this morning uh, if it's your very first time we would love to get connected with you so if you want to leave your name and contact we'll get more more acquainted so uh, if you know us every week we have a rhythm and so today is family Sunday. So today, it's going to be a beautiful day, you're going to see kids in our service, and it's going to feel more collective, and one of our favorite Sundays. We're also going to be doing communion, so if you're watching online and you'd like to join us with communion, go ahead and grab yourself some juice and some crackers, and then at the end of the service, you'll be able to join us that way. All right, so if you would with me, stand, and we're going to read the lectionary. If it's your first time here, we read the lectionary every Sunday morning. It keeps us connected with the Universal Church. And so all over the world, there'll be people reading this verse today. So if you wanna just begin to take a deep breath, breathe out, maybe this morning was quirky. Just begin to tune yourself as we come into the presence of God this morning. And so it says, the Lord's instruction is perfect, reviving one's very being. The Lord's laws are faithful, making naive people wise. The Lord's regulations are right, gladdening the heart. The Lord's commands are pure, giving light to the eyes. Honoring the Lord is correct, lasting forever. The Lord's judgments are true. All of these are righteous. And they are more desirable than gold, than tons of pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, even dripping off the honeycomb. No doubt about it, your servant is enlightened by them. There is a great reward in keeping them. But can anyone know what they have accidentally done wrong? Clear me of any unknown sin. And save your servant from willful sins. Don't let them rule me. Then I'll be completely blameless. I'll be innocent of great wrongdoing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so Holy Spirit and Father God and Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are a relational God, that in the very nature of how you are, it is in relationship. God, we thank you that you are a personal God, that the meditations of our hearts and the thoughts that we think are so known to you. Lord, may your people here today sense your invitation. May they sense a God that longs to be connected with them, to laugh with them, to pray alongside them, to encourage them. God, may they see the way that you move in this world to be clear. Thank you for the ways that you have invited us to participate with the work of redeeming the world. For this morning, God, we just come before you. We lay down the fun and exciting or stressful and chaotic weeks. We just lay them at your feet this morning, God. God, we fix our eyes and our attention on you. We lean into the fact that you are a good God, that you are able to redeem and renew and make all things right. God, we give up our sense of control this morning. The stresses that make it hard to be present in your sanctuary God, we just give them to you because you are a much better strategist than we are so god like children we just come before our father and we just want to be in your presence god may the sweetness of your presence be felt not only in this space but for everyone who is under the sound of my voice this morning May they be at home or in the car later this week. May they just sense a closeness to you that they have not felt. Fall on us in fresh ways this morning. We love you. We worship you. We exalt you. And in your holy son's name we pray. Amen.
1: Um, This morning for prayers of the people, we are gonna pray for Becca and Tina, and they are representing um, a crew of people. Some are already in Serbia. Laura and Jess from our church are already in Serbia. I don't know where Will is in that count, but Will is also going, and then a handful of others. And so we are gonna pray. Um, So if you're in your seat, you can stretch your hands out, but we're gonna lay hands on Becca and Tina as they um, are an extension of our body and representing the kingdom. And just so you don't already know this, their pit plans have been significantly pivoted in the last seven days. They thought they were going to be with young women and families, and they are now going to be um, serving 500 men, age 13 to 24. And so this is a large pivot. <laughs> um, if man had known what God was gonna know, and I'm guessing they would have built their team differently. <laughs> not needed girls, small group leaders. Um, but what we know is that it's not a surprise to God. And so he has equipped a team for a purpose that we don't even know yet. And so we just wanna pray covering over them and we want whatever the intention that God has set forth for this time to come into full fruition. Whatever he's strategizing that Serbia and the leaders of Serbia don't even know yet, we want the fullness of the kingdom of God to invade the hearts of those 500 men and the overflow of that to be that the women and children also come to know the Lord, that it doesn't get contained to that camp. So if you'll stretch your arms out, we're just gonna pray a prayer of blessing and protection over them. So God, we thank you. We thank you that you have... Um, people who have said yes. We thank you that they didn't just say yes to a specific ask, but they said yes to you. And so that ask has changed, but the person asking has not. And so we just ask God for protection and safety for them over traveling to Serbia during their time in Serbia. We pray for Laura and Jess as they're already there, getting everything set up, getting connections and relationships starting to form. God we pray for the hearts of the men and the confusion and the unknownness. So then why is this team going that we don't know, but God you do know and we fully trust you. We trust your intention and we trust your faithfulness and we trust that this is the best team to be your hands and feet, to represent you to this camp of 500 refugees. God, we pray that these refugees would come to know you, would be overwhelmed by the love and the goodness of your kingdom reflected and your men and women of the Serbia team. Would you be with them every step of the way? Would you thwart the enemy and the plans of the enemy? May there be no attack that prospers, but that would only your fruit and your kingdom, may it prosper and be the only thing that prospers. Be in the cars that they're driving, be in every conversation, be surrounding them that they could not go left or right and depart from you. We cannot wait to hear as a community, as a body, the ways in which you moved in unbelievable, unforeseen, unexpected ways. May your peace go with them, may your peace lead them, and may they come back returning of saying, oh, the marvelous ways in which our God worked, the marvelous ways our God worked. What a gift it is to partner with this team. Bless them, and may your name be lifted higher than any other name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
2: Thanks, Thanks, Bless you. We will not have meet and greet at this time. We will do that at the end today because we are going to present the pots to you. So I'm just going to jump in to James. This is the last part of James. Have you guys enjoyed James? Turns out James did a good job, you know? He did okay. He did okay for the Bible. So... So really quickly, what's coming up in the next few weeks? This has shifted a little bit, and I just want to apologize. I mentioned that we would be going into a study in the book of Hebrews. That will kind of be a supplication to what we're going to do with the pots. But we're going to spend the next few weeks spending time each Sunday on the pots that we've created that you'll hear about today, and kind of praying into those and then explaining how our body's doing them. After that, we're going to have Love Smyrna, which is in November. You've already heard about that a lot. not going to speak much more. Then we have the ETS retreat. ETS is equipping the saints. It's a collection of about 70 to 80 people that have decided to travel through some spiritual formation built around the spiritual disciplines and practices. We're doing that in clusters of four to 10. We're going on a retreat. Don't worry, you can go on the retreat next time. There's lots of other stuff happening. Don't feel excluded. It's an invite every six months. So, Advent's coming after that. Can we get pumped about Advent? Christmas in Advent, yeah. So we're gonna, today though, we're gonna back up and we're just gonna do the end of James. So really quick kind of, broad stroke what's been happening this is our fifth chapter fifth time speaking on james james has been given specific invitations i believe through the spirit of god for a community after the dispersion or after they had to flee after the death of stephen of course that's probably troubling for the christian community that there is people being martyred so they flee there's not really a leader james has been given specific knowledge to speak to this community and encourage them it's been built around three main things so far your speech matters so he's telling these people, the way that you talk to one another in the community matters. You're actually bitter, and it's harming each other, and it's keeping you from being the body. He talked about how the tongue is so small, but it's like the rudder on a ship. and can spark a massive thing. The tongue, a small word, can start a war. It can also bring healing, such power in the tongue, being able to say things. The second thing is he said, make sure those people who are distressed are being taken care of. Actually, talked about what true religion was. It's helping the widow and the orphan. It gave very specific specifics. It wasn't like, do true religion, be kind, love Jesus, love God, love people. It wasn't that easy, it was like, no. Are there people who are being mistreated and who need help? Help them now. Widows, orphans. And then third, it said, do your best to not be so contaminated by the culture around you. Things like hate speech or paying back evil for evil or things like trying to build your own platforms to build something about you. And then today, he brings it all together, and it's what I would say is the beautiful, what was the worship journey today? The beautiful, no, 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 it was the beloved vulnerable, beloved, vulnerable community. And so this passage is kind of his ending, and it's like his big, like, do this stuff. It, it means something. And so as a body, though, I want you to close your eyes for just one second, each of you. And I just want you to ask the question to yourself, where am I? And I'm not saying physically. You know where you're at, hopefully. If you don't, come see me afterwards. You're at River City Church upstairs. Where are you? This might be the first time you've thought about this this week, this month. Keep your eyes closed. Yesterday I was at Hamilton watching the play in a packed house. My wife to the right of me, another female to the left, literally singing every word of the... (laughs) And it got to a portion in the second half where... I literally could not stop, and you didn't know this was happening, I could not stop crying. Literally, I'm thinking about it now. I could not stop crying. I was just like, and I did my best to like, God, keep these in. There's too many people right here. Just keep them in. So I did the look away, I did the... And then I left thinking, why can't I not just weep? Why can't I not be where I really am? I'm I'm heartbroken by stinking Hamilton and what he did to his son. Where are you this morning? Truly, are you too busy? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you overwhelmed by this week already? Are you just wanting to leave now that we're talking about the inner things? Where are you? And Jesus, as we step into this final teaching from James... Let us tend to this garden of our own hearts. We desire it to flourish. Singularly and as a community. Let there be beautiful fruit that comes, but God, for that to happen, we have to know where we're at. Where are we? As a body, individually. And I just want to say this with your eyes closed. Where you're at is okay. And that would be Jesus' invitation is... I'm here next to where you're actually at. If you need to cry, just go ahead. Cry loudly at Hamilton. If you need to say sorry to yourself, there's grace and peace for that through Jesus and his spirit is always leading us to refreshing, to healing, and to beloved community. So today, Jesus, let that happen. Amen and amen? I'm gonna read you James. We're going to read you James for the last time, at least this season. All right, so here we go. Everybody, get yourself pumped up a little bit. Do something. A little bit of that. Okay. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call to the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him, who, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from, the, from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins." There's a lot, right? I'm going to do my best in the next 10, 15 minutes to share what I think this is. But I'm more encouraged today than I ever have to make this as simple as possible. There's sometimes when you're reading a text where you need to see it from five different views. There's sometimes when you're reading a text where you just need to understand the simplicity of it. In the early church, there were things that marked the church. All of the early church. You can pull this slide up. These, were, these would have been things that people recognized about the church. They were a singing church, song-singing church, where when people, they would just show up and sing. There's times in scripture where someone's singing and it doesn't even fit the life situation. It's like Hamilton in real life. It's like Les Mis, which I love. That's my favorite movie. We watched it again last week. But the early church was a singing church. There's something about singing. The early church knew that and they did it together. All the time. The early church was also a healing and confessing church. I don't want to demystify this. They would pray and people would be healed. There's actually historical and correct commentary about how they used to call the church in to pray before they would call a doctor because they were seeing better results. (laughs) We don't want to talk about that today because in our post-Christian almost Society, we don't like to even discuss that, right? We don't even see that maybe doctors are an answer to prayer that they prayed for so long. I love this thought that a lot of the medical advancements we have right now could be actual answers to fervent prayer over the centuries. That's a beautiful way. We forget like there was actually people praying for those kind of things. They were a confessing church, and they weren't a confessing church to find the one that did it. They were a confessing church because vulnerability breeds vulnerability, breeds trust, breeds health, breeds a healthy community. Confession to us should become beautiful. It should never be a witch hunt. You should never try and find someone else's thing You should always try and present the thing that maybe is hindering you from that depth in community. To me, confession, honestly, has become a good thing. I recognize for a lot of us, it's very shame-inducing. We have a very shame-inducing culture. We like to say how others are failing politically. Even the best of us are good at calling people out and then stepping away, starting a fire on the internet and then being like, deuces, don't know any of you, but got some high fives, got a hate, yeah, all of that. but what needs to be restored and what was happening there, James gets into here, is confession would have been seen as something that was desired. I would love to be able to confess and receive healing. And to have someone here where I'm broken, yeah. that, just think about it. To be able to say to a community or someone you trust, I am broken in this space. I don't even know how to move forward. There's so much life just in that. Because then you just showed them, Oh, I can actually share these things with Tina and James too. These kind of things they knew. So healing came because of that. And I don't even know, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on rabbit trails, but we have a culture now, especially the generation kind of above me and beyond, that when people are sick, they don't want people to know. I'd rather not tell anybody about my sickness. What? What? Can we surrender? Like, what? why would we rob ourselves of the gift of praying for one another? Why would we not, I don't really know. I think there might be a good reason people have this, but I've heard it from so many people who are maybe 50 and beyond. I don't want to trouble people with my, it's not troubling. <laughs> That's why we're here. Like, you, and you're actually, you're actually rewriting the narrative of how we're going to do that. We need to be able to say, I'm broken in spirit, I'm broken in flesh, I'm broken in community, I'm broken in relationship. I need healing, like, I need help. I need somebody who's been there before financially to be like, oh, you're also struggling in a spirit of poverty because you're afraid you'll not, you'll not have enough? So I need to hear those things. We need to hear those things. And lastly, they were a praying church. And that was a marker. They literally believed as they prayed these things were going to happen. And I don't want to theologically dive into this because all of us land in about a 100 spots here. And some of you, when I say the words they were praying, you were thinking, well, I, don't, I just don't believe God's going to answer. Or prayer's only for somebody else. or This is, they would pray. They didn't get to control what happened, but they believed God would answer. And God did answer a lot. It actually formed the kind of communities that were created early on. And it's what we've received as answers to prayer. Don't get me started on you praying for all the stuff you want and getting it and moving on. That's not what this is about, right? God's not honoring me trying to get a stage or become more famous or to be cool. I need to be cooler, I think, but I don't, I'm not going to pray that. A praying church, this would have been, oh, that, they, they're always praying to their God, Yahweh, the one God. They're always praying, right? Right? And seeing fruit from it. And James picks up on this and he's like, actually what I'm sharing with you today, this confession, this praying, these are actually ways of speaking wise, back to chapter 1. You need to use wisdom in your speech. Wisdom is the idea of faith and action coming together in a hearable way. Wisdom looks like a singing church. Songs instead of cursings. Wisdoms look like confessing to one another true words of where I'm broken instead of pretending and creating something that's not there. Wisdom looks like using your language in the best way possible, which I believe is praying. It's involving God right on the offset, right at the beginning. So I wanna break these down really quick. They were a singing church, when would they sing? They would sing when they were in good spirits, always. If they felt good, sing. I know just that alone, right? Pull up Ephesians for me. We talked about this when we preached the Ephesians. Just singing for some of us puts us in a vulnerable spot. right? And I understand we have have a community that's got very charismatic people, people who are from a liturgical background, people who uh, really struggle in the idea of worship. Uh, They almost feel like they're being fake in it. They would sing whenever they felt good. Like I I don't wanna overcomplicate this. Singing, we do it at birthdays, right? And we sing it at a birthday because we want to show how much we love the person. And it's never great and it's awkward, but the person leaves thinking, yeah, I feel like I'm... when we get together to sing, to worship, right? Like address one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And as I read the commentaries, I loved how it said when you're in a good spot in your spiritual walk, You can sing a spiritual song. You can sing a song off the cuff. You can be like, I love Jesus today, today. Just come from your heart. And then there's seasons where you feel broken in your walk. You feel like you've deconstructed. And some things need to be deconstructed, but you don't have the words to just create a song on the spot or by the Spirit. And that's why hymns are there. That's why things like hymns through centuries has carried the church because when you don't have the words to sing and speak, don't worry. People have been singing some words for long times. That's why my favorite song now is the doxology. If I hear it, I'm instantly like, I'm all in. Whatever's happening right now, we can be, We could do this around the city. I'm all in because I know that that phrasing, those four lines specifically, have been sung by Christians in the best of times, in the worst of times through hard times, through growth, through hiding underground. This has been songs that have carried us through. Singing actually does something pretty important. I think that's beautiful. They also confessed. What did they confess? Take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. They confessed sin. They confessed sin because they would have known that sin would keep deeper relationships from happening and this i'm just going to riff for a minute sin to me as as seen in the ten commandments and then as seen in jesus sin are things that harm other people and ourselves so sin is not just to see how bad you are julie it's not like jesus has found the sinner look sin is this idea of broken kinship and belovedness And I believe God's strongest desire for the beloved vulnerable community is that we have deep kinship with him and each other. Vulnerable community, confessing community, not that we hide from one another. And sin really honestly, however you want to explain whatever that is for you, draws us back into hiding, draws us into ourselves. I believe it's how we start to kind of become our own gods in ways. We start to distance ourselves from other people and community. And you can even do that in church, right? So they were a church that confessed. They were responsible for one another, and they were vulnerable. Vulnerability gives God space. And I'm going to read you a quote by, her name is Barbara Brown-Taylor, but I'm going to start calling her Barbara Tay-Tay. I don't know if that's wrong, but I've quoted her so much, I'm not going to do it. All right, I'm not going to do it. I saw somebody shaking their head. Can you pull up the quote real quick? Like a sinner, she is to use her vulnerability to engage the vulnerability of others. In a community where people agree to not look away politely, where mutual confession is practiced along with anointing of the sick and pervasive prayer, sin and sickness cannot isolate people for long. Through these communal acts of faith, attention is removed from the individual self, the drawing away, and returned to the larger body so that God has more room to work in this way, the wisdom of God edges out the wisdom of the world, at least for today. That's that that's praise-lappable. Like that, we could do, we could build off that. And the third thing is just really simply they prayed together. When did they pray? There's two very specific situations listed. One, if you're sick, ask the elders to pray. So that does two things. That one... Ask those who are sick to actually say it. I'm sick. And then it, it requires that the elders of the church come and pray. So there's, there's no wiggle room. It doesn't promise anything's going to happen, but it does say people will be healed. So it tells you when to pray. I want to tell you four things about prayer that I believe are listed here. And these are on a slide that we created. I think this is the first and best thing a church can do. Please don't hear me say that I believe that we should not live missionally or that the gospel is not social. I do think that. I do think that we should be praying as we're doing. I don't think we should stand here and just pray that the world changes from in here and try and build this place a little bigger. I think the first and best thing we can do in any scenario is pray. For a friend, if I'm struggling today about a thing, period, prayer first. If I'm figuring out what to do next with our staff, prayer first. If I cannot figure out how to connect with my daughter, my son, or my other daughter, prayer first. If I feel like I'm a dad that just, I'm too competitive, and I am, I literally am too competitive. I require athletic prowess and strength. I don't know why I do that, it's important. I pray, God heal me of this, my brokenness. If I don't know how to get financially where I need to be, I pray. If we don't know what to do next as a church, we pray. If we're in a pandemic, we pray. If we don't know what to do, we do pots. Prayer first as a church is probably the best thing because you're positioning yourself in humility and you're saying right off the bat, I don't have the answer. But we know someone who does have the answer. Number two, all ages can do this. This does not require a 17-step process. Your kids can start to pray now and here's... Earth-shattering stuff. Some of them know how to do it better than us because they aren't tainted by our world. Clearly, they have childlike faith because they're childs? All ages. So it should represent that in prayer. We should let kids pray. We should learn from kids. We shouldn't act like prayer was for then. Science is for now. God can use both, right? Like, let's do this. That's beautiful to me. That that to me is a picture of the kind of church that I would like to live in the rest of my life. Our kids can pray for one another, right? Prayer's not private. It's not, it's not a private thing, it's a communal thing. And when a body prays together, it shapes that body. And it allows communal listening to happen to how God would speak to us, And that doesn't have to be crazy, right? That doesn't mean that it's going to get all crazy and it's going to be somebody just running the show. That means we're all humble together. And then I can hear what Leslie needs. And then I can hear what the Wests need. And then I can hear what our city needs. If we quiet enough and listen to God, He'll actually guide us to the next right steps in our city. This to me is so, so great. It shapes us. And lastly about prayer, this is pretty provocative this makes some assumptions that I want to share with you that are important to me. Things won't happen. This is, gonna, this is gonna make some people feel uncomfortable, and that's okay. When we pray, things happen that would not have happened. That's, bottom line, that's what's being said here. So body that prays, things will happen that would not have happened. That, that's confusing. So is it important to pray? Well, I don't really know. I don't really feel anything in prayer. Well, that's that's fine. It's not necessarily about how you're feeling in prayer. Sometimes you can just pray even though you don't feel it. I feel all the time in prayer. I feel everybody's everything. Well, that's a lot. Talk to somebody about that. There are people like that. When they pray, they start to feel everything around them. Bring some people into that. You're not meant to carry that alone. Right? Prayer is God saying, I would like to do this with you. You can go on ahead if you want but you're just gonna have to pray there about what you did? So let's just start it right here. Prayer shapes everything that we do. And this is, I'm gonna end with this kind of thought. I didn't like the end of the book of James. I'm gonna be honest with you. I got to those last two or three verses, and I was like, this doesn't even make sense. You're telling me to go find those who are wayward in the truth? The sinner needs to be brought back? That is language nobody liked reading when we read it. None of y'all were like, amen. So I was confused, I did, some, I did a little bit of Alexia Divina on this on my own during our staff meeting because I was confused. Why is this now the end? This is the way he's ending his book. And I started to see a connection that I believe is important. In the beginning of this reading today, it talked about people who are sick and people who are living in sin. And those two things specifically are things that draw people away from the beloved community. We don't wanna hear it, but people who are sick a lot of times are not taken care of. They're not sought after, and a lot of times they actually don't share. And so in the space of isolation, things begin to build. So I think what's being said here, and this is, I'm gonna stand on this as if I believe it is what it's being said. It's our responsibility, and people who have stepped away for whatever reason, to go after them, not on a witch hunt, to be sure. If you wanna know how to not find somebody who's a sinner away, Go on a witch hunt to tell somebody they're a sinner and they're away. And you just send them farther away. What is the beloved truth? Those who are wayward in the truth are those who have forgotten that they are the beloved. And when you know that you're the beloved, it takes the sting of culture away. And it gives you the ability to step into all that God has for you. It feels like you found home. So when it's telling us to go for those that are away... It's giving us an invitation to invite people back into the community in a way that loves and honors them, in a way that sees them in their truth, in a way that helps them to flourish, human flourishing. Are there people around your life that are away, whatever we want to label that? How beautiful would it be for them? mm, How beautiful would it be for them to walk into a community that was openly confessing, Vulnerable things that people shouldn't be confessing. That wasn't pretending and building stages. Yeah. Confessing and then taking time to listen to the one confess and praying and weeping with them. Is that the kind of community that that person would love, or would they love the community that never confesses together, that doesn't pray, that doesn't want to worship anymore, and would rather just kind of do church the way that they want to do church? To me, this is clear. Is that too far? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is what we get to do. This is why we are here. These simple things. You don't have to be a professional Christian to do this. Pray for a brother and a sister. If you're sick, tell people. Let them pray. Believe that God answers prayer. And you don't get to limit it. That was, to me... I've been around church for too long now, and seen too many prayers that don't seem to be answered, to be kind of cynical in, in this part of it. This, with the edges of that, were completely dulled off after I read this. I don't get to tell God He doesn't answer prayer. Does it always happen the way? No, but He can do He can do whatever He desires to do, and along with what He wants to do in our world, we get to partner with that. I can pray for you if you're broken, and He could heal you. He actually wants to. Like that's. Let's not pretend, right? Let's be that praying church. I love it. So, so I'm going to invite you today. Two things. Number one, do you feel an invitation from the simplicity of this text and how to be a part of a body? Do you feel a nudge in any way that's for you to make your own and to step into community more? Do you feel the nudge to go after someone who is away in the truth in a way that would? Truly remind them that they're the beloved, right? To speak to people before they believe it, that they're the beloved. So I want to take a moment in that. God, is there any kind of space that you desire to, to just bring healing to the people in this room? We're your beloved, we're a body. Are any among you sick? Let them pray. Are any among you excited? Let them sing. Confess your sins to one another so that there may be healing. Believe that prayer connects you with all the resources of all eternity. So I ask you again, before we pray together, where are you? Not in this room, but in life. Because I believe that's where Jesus is right now, where you really are. And Jesus, we thank you that in this body, we get to sing, we get to pray, we get to love people we don't know, we get to say sorry, we get to confess, we get to pray for healing for those that are sick. We thank you that this is a different culture, this is a different economy, this is from a different kingdom. We thank you that that's broader than what we see here. We ask you to lead us deeper into that, that this would be a community that's vibrant in the kind of health that James was asking that this community was. That we would sense prayer start to build. That we would sense confession as a gift. That we would see people actually healed from all kinds of things. That there would actually be f- healing that are seeable. So that you get to the attention, God. I do pray specifically for the healing of those who are feeling deconstructed or abused or hurt, that God, there's a big prayer that you would allow them to have faith again, the kind of faith that they didn't have before, to be whole and healed, to be vibrantly alive with you, following you, loving you, and being loving to the people around them and being just an imprint of who you are to the community they're in. But I pray that you would heal those broken places, God. I also pray for those that are away and hiding, that feel like they need to distance themselves and just kind of keep to themselves that you would bring them back to community, loving community, and you would let this community be loving at least. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read you really quickly the second invitation, and it's just our pots. And I'm not going to dive into the depth of them, but thank you for praying and submitting. Here's what they are. You can clap. This next season's pots are the following. Spiritual formation. I'm not going to read it right now. What is spiritual formation? It's everything that forms us. It is how we are developed in God. Number two, hearts that serve. Hearts that serve is very simple. We're asking every person in here to lock into where God is calling them to serve and asking them to serve. Number three is looking outward. This is loving our city the way that Jesus is asking us to. It's love Smyrna, but it's also so many other things. It's not just confined to here, it's your neighbor. Number four is racial reconciliation. This was a pot from last time. It will continue to be a pot. We believe that we are a voice in this and that we have a responsibility in this. We're asking God to continue to bless our efforts in this. Next one is a culture of generosity. If you haven't heard what that is yet, then you weren't here. You just walked in. My name's Josh. Nice to meet you. Culture of generosity. We'd like our church to be known to be generous, to be generous for the city. Starts with individuals in this room. And lastly, Next Generation Investment. This was my largest one this time, and this is the idea that each age group leading up to adulthood is as important as us and probably needs more than we do. So when we talk about things like ETS and spiritual formation, we're asking God to start, even continue that work in the kids' ministry, in the youth ministry, and the young adults. I wanna be a church that everyone here is involved in growing in Christ, not just listening to sermons. That would be so beautiful. Amen? So, after we do communion, the Eucharist, after we do that, we're going to have some very beautiful people hold up these, and um, (laughs) you're going to go there if you'd like to pray with them. Now, I just want to say this. If it's your first time or you're kind of new and you're like, this will be the last time I will ever see you, myself and Bethany will hang out for those that are new, um, and kind of hang out And then Mike is going to do my station so, so you're going to see An area to go after communion But before that I'd like to ask you to stand We're going to take communion together and Right before we take communion And communion is on your seats And it's not my favorite version But at least we get to do it In COVID I'm going to ask you to sing with me I feel good yeah, I mean, we sing it. We're gonna, no, we're not gonna sing that. <laughs> but let's see what happens when we sing it. Right. No, we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing the doxology together. Listen, happy birthday, right? That's the kind of song we're going after right here. I wanna hear it like you're singing happy birthday. you bring up the communion language again on the night he was handed over to suffering and death our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and when he had given thanks to you he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is given for you do this for the remembrance of me you can take and eat the bread now After supper, took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. You guys can actually read this with me. Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Risen risen Lord, be known to us in the breaking of the bread. Accept these prayers and praises, Father, Through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit, your church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. Amen. That was awesome. That was great. Amen. So while you're remaining standing, if you have a sign in an area, this is a big step for some of you. I just would recommend, you're going to go to an area, that the one that feels like it jumps off the page the most today, and you're going to meet a couple people, and you're all just going to pray for this, and it's going to be beautiful, and if you're new, and you would like to not do this, you can come see us. Uh, where do you think we should stand, Bethany? Where's everybody else? Yeah, y'all go to your spots, and Mikey, you can come, you can come grab this one. So we, we see over here that looking outward is right there. Here's your stuff. We'll say spiritual formation is right here. (laughs) And then we have racial reconciliation in the back. Next generation investment over there. Culture of generosity back here. Feels like somebody should go over there. Is there an extra one? One, two, three. So you go over there. You go over there. Yeah. Sorry if that was uh, bossy. Do you want to come over here? All right, so Jesus, I thank you for each of these things, and I pray that as we pray, we would sense your kinship and communion and leading. I thank you for a body that prays. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we'll go uh, kind of back here, first timers if you'd like to. Love you guys.
1: Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.